Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pakistan Experience. We are doing something very different and it is an honor and a privilege to have Mr. Nick Hinton here with us today. Hi, Mr. Nick. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me on. No, no, it's a pleasure. Your threads are some of the most interesting things I've ever read on Twitter. I would like to admit I don't understand half of them. I have to read them <laughs> a few times just to get the hang of it. But I am terrible. I am very 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 intrigued i appreciate that yeah i didn't when i first started this i didn't know exactly who would be intrigued in these ideas but i guess i guess it's a lot of people i think as the world starts getting crazier and crazier these conspiracy theories do not seem that out there anymore right yeah because probably like five years ago ten years ago no one would have taken anything like this seriously but now the world is going crazy so it's not so outlandish and i think it's also the rise of psychedelics right the more people are dabbling in psychedelics the more dmt is sort of becoming mainstream and lsd is almost a research drug at this point uh, right the ideas of multiple levels of consciousness is not as absurd as it might have seemed a few years ago right and i think it's a lot of different things you know quantum computing the space travel stuff we're doing the announcement of UFOs existing, the rise of spirituality, you know, the new age movement, and st- like everything like that. So, yeah, did you imagine it wouldn't even be news? The Pentagon literally said confirming uh, the videos that had already leaked, and it wasn't even front page news. <laughs> I know, no one really, no one really cared. Everyone's kind of like, I think most people just weren't shocked. Like, yeah, we already knew they were real. Yeah, but I think it's it's also COVID nineteen, right? People are like, let us survive this. Then yeah, yeah. worry about the spaceships. Yeah, no, that definitely played a huge part in it. But also, I think a, a majority was just not even surprised. And yeah, a lot of people are probably just preoccupied worrying about COVID. So, so, um, so what? So let's just jump straight into it. Do you think we live in a simulation? Do you think <laughs> simulation? Um. So, my personal philosophy is that I just. I don't know. Like, I don't know anything for sure. And I was just on a podcast yesterday talking about that idea. And I know it sounds kind of like a cop out, but that's just how I am. I don't want to say anything is for a fact because I don't think there's any way to prove that. There's no way to prove metaphysical truths. I mean, you can experience them, but there's no way to bring that information back with you and test it in a lab, at least not right now. But um, yeah, I mean, I do kind of lean towards simulation theory. Obviously, it's in all of my threads, but. Um, you know, it doesn't even have to be that we live in a giant computer. I think in the most simplest terms, our brain works like a computer. You know, it's literally electrical signals being sent from all of your senses, your five senses, and it's decoded into an experience in your mind that we call reality. And I think that's kind of like a simulation. So for people who might not know about simulation theory, uh, we might not be somewhere plugged into the matrix but the idea that reality is singular or reality is as everybody experiences may not be so. And uh, I'm not sure if you've dabbed into psychedelics. Once you do reach a different level of consciousness, you realize that reality is as malleable as something else, which we might have taken to be fact. Right. Yeah. I mean, reality is definitely not what it seems. I think there's way more than what's in front of our eyes. I mean, we see less than like 1% of the light spectrum or that, that number might've gone up to like 3% or something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, we barely see anything that's out there. 
So this uh, recent news, which I'm a little confused about, uh, some people claim NASA is saying that there is evidence now that there is a parallel universe where time runs backwards and other news publications are like, wait, no, that's not what NASA said. So what's happening about that evidence for parallel universe? Well, they detected these particles that were acting anomalous, basically. And these things were going a direction they shouldn't have. And so there's many different theories of why that could be. It could be that the ice is affecting them or there was just, you know, an anomaly in the data. Like they made a mistake while calculating their data. But then, you know, the cool thing to say is, well, it could also mean that there's a parallel universe somewhere down there and it's kind of intersecting with ours. So, yeah, there's two camps, you know, the skeptics that'll be like, no, 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 no. And then, you know, there's the people that look for that kind of thing. They want to be excited. They want to believe we live in a magical universe, which, yeah, I tend to be one of those people. I like, I like the... I mean, but we do, we do live in a magical universe, right? Like yeah, so yeah, much yeah. of reality, if we were told we're on this giant ball that's spinning uh, around a fireball in the sky... A few centuries ago, people would have laughed at it, but now we accept it to be fact. It is fact. I'm not a flat earther. But so much of reality is strange. But it's right. just certain, certain myths we've accepted as reality, whereas certain ideas we're a lot more skeptical about. Right. So, so for instance, this Mandela effect, for people who might not know what the Mandela effect is, can you just... Go over that for us. Okay, so the Mandela effect comes from this widespread, you know, quote unquote, false memory mm. that Nelson Mandela died in the 80s while in prison. And they come to find out in 2013 that he had lived a long, normal life and passed away then. And um, so, yeah, a lot of people, when they heard that he died in 2013, were shocked. And everyone was like, I remember him dying in the 80s. And so Fiona Broom was the first person to point this out and started compiling a list of other quote unquote false memories, things that people remembered the wrong way. Just like Fruit of the Loom, how people remember it having a cornucopia or um, Berenstein Bears was spelled um, stain instead of Stein. Um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of different Mandela effects, but basically what the magical belief is since we're talking about how there's skeptical beliefs and magical beliefs the magical belief is that we are now living in a parallel universe where there's a totally different history and is so it, things are just a tiny bit different is it that is it just that we are now living in a different universe or is it that people can skip time and people can access parallel universes that maybe if I go to sleep, I just wake up to a universe which is slightly to the left or the right of the universe that I uh, slept in? Or is it that yeah. all of us jumped? Um, so I believe it could be all of the above. I think there could be people dimensional jumping either purposely or on accident. Um, I think we could have all entered a parallel universe or there could even be, you know, time travel messing with our past and changing tiny things in the past. So there's not like one definitive answer, but I definitely think the Mandela effect is, is a real thing. I don't think it's false memory. There's also the 2012 CERN theory, right? That we, that caused something. Yeah. So that's kind of how I tie in the Mandela effect to my own theories. Um, so Stephen Hawking at one point warned everyone that CERN 
while looking for the God particle or the Higgs boson, it could actually accidentally destroy the universe. And so in 2012, you know, when the mind said that there was going to be this big kind of shift, yeah, I don't think they thought the world was actually going to end, but I thought they were saying that the old world was going to end and we would be in a new one. Hmm. And so in 2012, like they said, we discovered the Higgs boson, the God particle, and I think it might have actually destroyed the old universe and we shifted into a parallel world. How, how did that happen? Is it like, did they create like a tiny black hole? Yeah, it could be multiple things. It was either we were sucked into a black hole and we just, you know, I, I don't know if we'd even notice something like that. You know, we, we've never been sucked into a black hole or see what happens if you're sucked into a black hole. So you didn't know my ex like I did, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah, um, it could be the black hole theory, or it could be that the universe underwent a catastrophic vacuum decay, which that's what Stephen Hawking warned about. And it would be like the universe just dissipates at kind of like light speed. Or maybe even faster than that. And so I don't think we would notice that. I think we'd all just be shifted into the universe right next door. So, so the difference between all of us shifting to a parallel reality and parallel universes existing simultaneously is slightly different, right? Maybe right now there are multiple, the multiverse theory, that there are multiple universes where maybe I take a slight decision differently and I can just jump timelines, whether through drugs or whether through sleeping, but all those realities exist simultaneously. Right. Yeah. And I do kind of believe that. And I think the universe has always been that way, but I think after 2012, it became more prevalent. I think that shifting or jumping dimensional travel I think that's become easier after 2012 because I think there was a shift in the way our reality works. It's like a warp. It's like a time warp or a space warp that's been created, which makes it easier. Well, I think with the discovery of the Higgs boson and sending us, I think personally, I think we are all sent to a new reality and it just kind of completely changed the way the world works because we're approaching the age of Aquarius. And I think reality is becoming more fluid. Mm -hmm. And so is time. So when they talk about the end of time, I think it was the end of linear time. And now it's possible to travel different timelines and stuff like that easier than it was in the past. Because I know in, there's different religions that talk about, you know, astral traveling to other universes. But I think it's become easier for like the average person to do that. And they might be doing it accidentally all the time. Just because we live in a new age. So not to go all history channel ancient aliens on you. But a lot of right. the evidence also comes from, for instance, you brought up religion, but a lot of ancient civilizations, right? So a lot of times people look at uh, cave paintings and notice something that looks like a UFO. And there's also that theory that UFOs don't exist. It's people time traveling. It's actually people from the future who come back. And that's what they say. Right. Assume it's, it's uh, aliens. Um, so w- when we do look towards history, what are some of the most compelling evidences that you find for all these theories? Um, well, yeah, I mean, a lot of carvings and hieroglyphs, they do look like um, UFOs and other technology that we have. Like, I know there's a carving of something that looks like a light bulb. I know some of these 
Ankh and carvings kind of look like, you know, electrical towers, like almost like a Tesla tower or Tesla coil. Um, but I think the, the biggest proof that, you know, there was something going on back thousands of years ago, like that maybe that there was a high tech civilization is the fact that we have the pyramids, you know, time and time again, we're proving that even our modern day technology can't replicate what they did because they're, they're made at such perfect angles. And these blocks are so heavy that, you know, not even our modern day machines can pick these things up and let alone human, a bunch of human beings rolling them on logs, you know? And, and we still, and we still don't even really know the purpose of these temples because they're not really, you know, chambers for one dead person. It's not like a giant gravestone, you know, it's, they had different, a different purpose, I believe. And they also align with the stars, right? Yeah, a lot of them align with the stars, mainly Orion, the Orion constellation. So, uh, there are a lot of if, if all these threads that you post, like we can literally pick any one of them and go deep into them to find all that evidence. Uh, there's one that you also posted about the purple element that they found in China years ago, which people weren't able to replicate. Oh, Han purple. Yes. Y yes, it was a pigment that was like very very accurate and close to the true purple and it wasn't able to be replicated until modern times so you know that leads people to wonder how did they do it so long ago and the han purple pigment was covering um all these statues of warriors that they found um unearthed near this giant giant pyramid that no one has ever gone in um i think the chinese government refuses to let anyone go in they say it will you know they don't want to ruin it but I think they just don't want us to know what's down there. So science, science is great. Everything that science has, I mean, life we live, is, live today is thanks to science. But I also believe that once we've elevated scientific thinking so much, we've sort of lost any ancient knowledge, which may not neatly fit into that box. So if science cannot accept something, we're very quick to diminish it. So a lot of this ancient knowledge that uh, may not have answers or may science, maybe science discovers the answers to them much later, we sort of dismiss them offhand altogether. Um, right. So how, how did you get, how did you develop an interest into going deep into all these things? Well, yeah, I used to be a very scientific minded person and I used to think religion, like all religions kind of sound like fairy tales to me. Hmm. But the thing that really brought me, you know, I was always looking for answers. I was always trying to figure out how the world worked. And I did have kind of mystical questions, I guess, on like a very shallow scale. I just wondered like, where did money come from? Why do we have war? Why do we have poverty? Like, why are all these things still problems? You know, if we're so advanced. So I was wondering about that. But just one day, randomly, my friend showed me the Denver airport conspiracy on YouTube. And he was just kind of showing it to me nonchalantly, just like, oh, dude, isn't this pretty cool? And I just became instantly obsessed. And I have no idea what the Denver airport controversy is or conspiracy okay. is. Okay, so at the Denver airport, um, I, I'm pretty sure they painted over some of them, but um, there used to be all these murals of just like Illuminati symbolism mm -hmm. and the end of the world and um, just really bizarre stuff. And when you look at the Denver airport, like in detail, like there's just so much weird stuff. So they have like, these plaques that talk about the new world airport and it's a Freemason. Um, it's like a free Masonic 
society, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's the New World Air, Airport Commission or something like that. And um, there's a time capsule underneath there that's like supposed to be open in like 100 or 200 years or something ridiculous. And then there's this talking gargoyle there that talks about the Illuminati. And so like when you put all those pieces together, it's just like, why? What's the point? Why are they do? Why, why are they putting all that stuff right in front of our face? Sometimes so I that's feel what like got me people in. just, just want to fuck with people. I want to be crazy. That, from now people find some reason or rhyme behind all these different things we've done. Right. I mean, it definitely could be people just, you know, messing with, messing with us. But, um, I don't know. That's what got me interested in the Illuminati. And the more I looked into the Illuminati and like 9-11 and other stuff like that, then I started piece, like putting the pieces together and be like, okay, there's something to this. There's something to the whole spiritual aspect of life. There is something to the Bible. There is something to the other holy books because it seems that they all talk about, you know, demonic entities yeah. and the powers that be and reality not being what it seems. So I was like, there's I mean, just too much. There, there was just too much for me to deny anymore. At this point, uh, anybody, uh, as long as it's a coping mechanism, you have to live your life. You have to earn some money. You have to do the job. That's fine. But right. to believe that there is nothing else out there at this point, whether that be God for somebody or whether that be vibes, even a lot of times people feel a gut instinct. They feel some vibes. They feel some energy. That is something there which maybe cannot be explained. Uh, by our current scientific knowledge. And even right now, when we talk about dark matter and we say that most of the universe is full of dark energy, we don't really understand what that is, but we know it exists. We know it controls uh, right. a lot the way the world works. So there is something to it, um, whether it's controlled by these people who sit around the table as the Illuminati. I'm not too sure about <laughs> that. Uh, but I think that is that is the gateway drug for most people, right? Illuminati videos, the yeah, yeah. one eye. And then once you go deep into this, there are a lot of things which are a lot more interesting, right? So for instance, you've also written a book now, which is the Saturn time cube simulations. Yes. So the yes. Saturn time cube theory in particular is, is interesting. Yeah, so it's basically just... Um... The whole book is just about the synchronistic relationship between simulation theory, cube symbolism, and Saturn symbolism. There seems to be something that ties those three things together. I mean, it's in pop culture everywhere right now. People are constantly talking about the Tesseract mm. and time travel and simulation. And it seems to always lead back to Saturn and black holes and, wormhole and wormholes, which, you know, goes back to CERN. But, um, yeah, I think they're trying to hack the simulation or something. But, I mean... So some examples of movies that show this weird relationship between the Tesseract, which is the four-dimensional cube, um, would be Interstellar is a good one. They go through a wormhole near Saturn, and by the end of the movie, the main character ends up at the bottom of a black hole where he finds a Tesseract, or four-dimensional cube. And it allows him to speak with the past and, and speak with the future. He can travel all throughout different timelines in there. And um, another good example would be 2001 Space Odyssey, where this guy travels to, um, these astronauts travel to one of Jupiter's moons and find this giant black cube type thing that allows them to travel through a wormhole, basically get out of the simulation. Mm -hmm. But um, the, originally, the moon was supposed to be one of Saturn's moons, but they changed it at the last minute. And that was a Stanley Kubrick film. And I think Stanley Kubrick has a lot of films about esoteric 
occult knowledge. You also posted a picture of uh, cubes that appeared in religion, right? Particularly, you posted a picture of the Kaaba, which is the Muslim place of pilgrimage, which is also a cube. Yes, yes. Giant black cube. Yes. And then I know that there's Jewish people that wear a Teflon, which is a black cube on their head or on their arm, and it contains little prayers in them. Um, yeah, and there's black cube sculptures all, all around the world. Um, even the 9-11 memorial kind of looks like two cubes within cubes, but they're inverted. They're in the ground. So is there anything particular about it being a cube? So on top of Saturn, there is actually a giant rotating hexagon that we can't cur- currently explain. And um, if you draw some lines on the inside of a hexagon, you get a Necker cube. You know, I don't know if you can visualize that, but you can basically take three lines in there and get a two-dimensional yeah. view of a three-dimensional cube. And so what I think is all these black cubes are kind of like the same thing, but they're three-dimensional analogs of a four-dimensional cube. Uh, so that we had some contact with it. So you're saying there's a hexagon on top of Saturn that we can't explain. That uh, Yeah, you did and you, you didn't get the rest of that? You also referenced Transformers where they have these energon cubes. Yes. So is it something similar that there is some sort of energy which is present there and what we see on Earth are sort of remnants of that or references to that? Yeah, I think they're altars to Saturn. I think they are energy, you know, they're meant to pull energy from Saturn or something or at least um, the elite worship Saturn because they know, in my opinion, I think they know that Saturn is the kind of like programmer of the simulation. The planet Saturn, there is a... a <laughs> yeah, it sounds a little bit out there. But I mean, yeah. Saturn in ancient religion has always been, you know, the the god of gods. For a long time, he was the god, um, you know, lord of lords. And um, Saturn was also Kronos, the god of time. And that brings us back to the time cube, the Tesseract. Well, if we are in a simulation, they're having a good time watching us right now with all these disasters. And it's quite an exciting show uh, if, if it was a, a television show for them. Uh, what do you think right. of COVID-19? Um, real quick, I just want to point out that you, um, if you look up almost any AI or cryptocurrency um, company's logo, it seems to always reference hexagons or cubes, um, especially Chainlink. But um, so COVID, yeah, I, I, I don't know for sure. I think it's a real virus, but I think it's being overplayed. And I think it's being used to control people, you know, through fear. I also think it's a real virus, but it's just, uh, we also need to be a little skeptical about giving up our freedoms, right? So in terms of- Exactly. Amount of surveillance uh, already that we see in China, it's, insane not to say that we are not we have not gotten used to carrying a rectangular object in our pockets all the time that has all the information that they could possibly need but it's scary the amount of surveillance that they could have in the future right right yeah i mean i'm pretty sure that they're now using facial recognition and you know surveillance cameras to um, see who is and who isn't wearing masks in certain places. And I know that there's also drones that can, you know, check for body temperature. 
see if you have the flu. I know that there's um, Amazon will, you know, you know, those little doorbell thingies that they have. Yeah. Ring. Um, yeah. Those, those check if you have uh, face masks on and everyone at Amazon is required to wear a face mask. <clears throat> and, that, and then even with Uber, they have to wear a face masks and they require everyone who rides to wear face masks. So it's like the corporations are enforcing, you know, these laws and it makes it so almost impossible for us to, you know, retain our freedoms because we kind of rely on all these companies and they've made it that way. I mean, face masks are actually better for surveillance, right? For a lot of people are arguing that the world that they're creating through facial recognition or uh, for instance, even in China where your face, you can use your face to unlock doors and they have all that data. But if you're wearing a mask, the AI can't read your face properly. So if we, if, right. if the fear is that we are going to live in a world which uh, essentially track all of our movements, which they already do through the phone. I know they absolutely do, but yeah, it's yeah. an added layer of uh, fear if they can also track your face and know your expression or might even know when you're lying or when you're not being truthful. So the fact that if you're wearing face masks in public, that just becomes slightly harder. So that might be a good thing. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I do think it's ironic that, you know, it's usually kind of scary if you find someone wearing a bandana or a mask in a store, you know, because mm. they, they can rob you <laughs> and you're going to be identified. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. It's just total anarchy out here. I don't think the powers that be even know what's going on. And that goes back to the whole Illuminati thing. You were talking about how you don't think it's one group of people sitting around a table. And I kind of don't think that anymore either. That was just my original belief when I first started getting into all of this stuff. I think it's more, I think there's more cracks in the system than we realize. And there's groups within groups and there's, there's people, you know, there's people at the top fighting each other. There's different factions. And yeah, I don't think, and I don't even think they have that close of an eye on us as we think they do. You know, there's not enough people out there to track everyone's data. I mean, unless they create an AI that can do it for them, but I don't think we have that artificial intelligence yet. It's there if they need it, right? So uh, we're, talk we're here discussing conspiracy theories and we're talking about the Illuminati. But even, even if you talk to a hedge fund manager, if they need that data, that, that data is there. If they're like, what is a 33-year-old man living on 14th Street in New York doing at 7 p.m.? They'll have it. So even when Obama was uh, president and this uh, data conspiracy was being talked about, Obama kept talking about metadata, but it's not metadata. I mean, all the data is there and they can uh, draw consumer insights through metadata, but if they want individual data, they can just go deep into that. It's like just zooming in. The data is all there. Right. And they could be using all this data to create simulations, you know, to predict the future. We, uh, and I think they actually are already doing that using quantum computers. And that goes back to simulation theory. If they're creating, you know, quantum simulations of our world, that's almost like a world within our world. And so I, I personally love Buddhism. Mm. And Buddhism already talks about this idea that they believe that there's realities nestled within realities, kind of like one of those Russian doll sets. And so that's, I kind of think that's how parallel worlds work. You know, there's realities within realities. And you can access them at different times. Yeah, possibly. So you're talking about your own journey. So you got into Illuminati and um, 
that was your gateway drug. Uh, you also mentioned 9-11. Do you, are you a 9-11 conspiracy theorist? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, what the, the story they tell us doesn't even make sense. I mean, a plane hits a tower and then it falls from the bottom. I mean, I know they say that it, you know, that the fires caused the infrastructure to melt or whatever, but it doesn't burn hot enough to do that. Um, you know, World Trade Center 7, the building went down with absolutely nothing happening to it. And they announced it's falling before it even happened. And the evidence they found, the passports of the terrorists that did it, they found in the wreckage of the buildings. How, if everything burned and melted, how do you do that? They just got lucky? Like, I just, that doesn't make sense to me. We're entering Eddie Bravo territory at this point. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> follow him. But that, that's one of, his, one of his favorites as well. Um, yeah, I follow Eddie. So I, please tell me you're not a flat earther, though. I'm not a flat earther, but at one point, I did get sucked into the rabbit hole, and I was like, this stuff kind of makes sense. So, Give, give me the most compelling. Give me the most compelling flat earth cell. Honestly, it's been so long since I've read any of this stuff. But I mean, if you do fly in a plane, it, it does look totally flat. And the water never curves over the horizon when you're looking at the ocean. Um, you can see rays of the sun peeking through the clouds at an angle. But if it's 93 million miles away, the sunlight should be coming straight at you. Some people say that's because of like, you know, the light bouncing around in the atmosphere or something like that. But I don't know. I got into it for a little bit. And I don't know. I don't know. It also makes I no think sense. There's, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. That the Earth is flat, but all the other planets are round. So, well, they have a different theory about the other planets. Which is there's people with super power. There's people out there with like super powerful cameras who will zoom in on the planets, and they don't look like planets. They look like balls of light, like that are vibrating. Like you should look up some of those videos of people zooming in on Venus and stuff like that. Um, it's really weird. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I want to believe in space. The idea of space is so cool to me and it aligns with, you know, a bunch of different religions. I mean, besides Christianity, like Buddhism talks about space a lot. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I'm from Pakistan, so we grew up in Islamic tradition. There, there is mention of space in Islam and it says there are seven heavens and uh, life has been spread all across space. So there is a notion that we're not alone yeah, and there's different world systems. Um, they even talk about black holes. <laughs> um, there's this one verse, I forget exactly which scripture or book it is. It's not from Buddha, it's from a different Buddhist monk. Um, but it talks about how there is an abyss between each, between, between every three world systems, there's an abyss. And not even the light of the stars or the moon or the sun can escape it. And to me, that sounds a lot like a black hole. Yeah. yeah. So you're talking about your own journey to start with that. Uh, but how, how did you then develop such a deep interest? I'm assuming psychedelics are at play here. Honestly, not really. I mean, I've done psychedelics probably like four times in my life, but those weren't like necessary for my growth at all. I kind of just was experimenting after I'd already heard about how a lot of spiritual people will practice them I, I never really got any huge revelations out of them I mean I did DMT one time where it actually worked 
And I did get blasted off into another world, but I didn't meet any beings or learn anything. I was just in this weird, cartoony-looking place. What was it like? I've never done DMT, so I have no idea. Honestly, I was sitting outside with my friend in a chair, and I, you know, I smoked the DMT, and um, there was like a kaleidoscope of shapes and colors that exploded in my face after a certain amount of hits, and then once they all cleared away, I was still sitting in a chair, but now my friend wasn't next to me, and there was a circle of chairs going into the horizon, into infinity, and the ground wasn't grass anymore. It was like purple bricks, and then there was the purple sky and purple clouds and like these Dr. Seuss-looking mountains, like like smooth mountains, kind of like in Super Mario or Dr. Seuss, and it, yeah, and so I just sat there for a little bit and just looked around, and um, Eventually, it was probably only like five minutes that I was there, and I fell through this. I fell through the ground. I fell through the sky, into the real world, and I was like watching my hands, and there was like a trail. There's like a bunch, a bunch of my like an infinite of my hands, and they all kind of just like lined up and smacked back into my actual hand, and then I was looking at my hand, and I was done. I was like back on the ground. So you're saying it only took five minutes. Did it feel like more? No, I'm saying that it felt like I was in that place for like five minutes. But I, I know other people that have yes. told me that they've experienced entire lifetimes. Yeah. Yeah, because I, from what I've read, the experience seems to be quite different for other people. Some person even claimed that he lived 30 years on a 15-minute DMG trip. Yeah, my, my close friend, um, he see i don't know if if i believe this because i didn't experience it but he told me that he um was reborn you know in a hospital out of a new mother and then lived the whole entire life where he became a heroin addict and overdosed and died and then woke up as his real self and he said it felt like you know like 30 years so it's it's quite strange and then a lot of people also uh, the deity or the beings that you talk about a lot of people report seeing the same being or the same deities with some people talk about gestures or i think terence mckenna also talks about them being sort of like little trolls or gestures and so many people report seeing the same being which is quite peculiar yeah i think they're they're trickster entities you know they they exist beyond duality it's kind of like Loki, how he yeah. r- ran with demons, but he could make the gods laugh and the gods loved him for it. Or kind of like Hermes, how he would travel between heaven and hell or heaven and the earth, you know, like they don't exist, you know, they're, or they're not good or bad. They're just there to teach you a lesson. That's because I even think demons are kind of like that, you know, they, they seem horrible, but they're there to teach you life's hardest lessons. And if you use them the right way, it's, it ends up being a good thing. So it comes down to duality i don't i i'm a non-dualist i think good and bad are both happening for a reason and a lot of people also say that on dmt they've been spoken to where the beings are like how did you get access to this place so what is your theory on what is dmt or what does it do to you well i mean dmt you know there's a theory that it's released when you dream and when you die and when you're born and I think it's kind of like this gateway into other dimensions. I think it allows your brain to, I think our brains work like quantum computers. Mm-hmm. And so 
when you use DMT, I think you're just accessing another one of those realms that are already accessible to us all the time. But it's, I guess, just harder to because of the way we're programmed and, and wired in this world. Yeah, a lot of people also use DMT as evidence for the soul, right? Because uh, a lot of people experience uh, something on DMT, which is akin to what people say uh, death is like, or people who've been on the deathbed and have come back and have seen the light probably. probably uh, mm-hmm. they, they say the DMT experience is quite similar to that. Right. Yeah, I mean, DMT is released in your brain when you die. So I think that, yeah, you can access the heavenly realms like when you're, um, you know, on your deathbed. And actually to get back to the cube thing, mm. if you study, there's, a, there's this Hebrew map of like the universe, I guess, their own cosmology where there's this place called the cube of space. And in the very center of it, um, there's these, you know, there's this other place called Demut, like D-E- M-U-T. So I think literally the key or the gateway out of the cube matrix is DMT. And so the only way out is actually within because everything in this world is flipped upside down. So if we are in a simulation, the way to unplug yourself from the matrix, DMT is one of the ways. DMT, and I'm not encouraging people to go out and smoke DMT. You can actually produce it yourself through discipline and different meditative practices. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's the right way to do it. I think just going out and buying DMT or making it yourself or whatever is kind of a shortcut. But I don't know. I can't judge people because I know there's shamans that will lead people on these journeys using different type of psychedelics similar to DMT, and they have life changing experiences that way. So, you spoke about Buddhism. I feel a lot of what they experience through meditation and years and years of meditation is quite similar. Uh, even Kundalini Yoga people trip while doing kundalini yoga so yoga yeah. and meditation uh, fasting a lot of these things can alter your level of consciousness dmt just does that chemically but you can get there on your own yes yeah uh, so when i was uh, when i tweeted about you're going to come on somebody even mentioned uh, ask him about the zoo hypothesis i have no idea what the zoo hypothesis is though oh that we live in a giant cosmic zoo I think that's what they're referring to that maybe we are like these experiments created by aliens and now we're just kind of in a giant zoo cage that we call earth um I don't know if I believe that but I do kind of believe that we are genetically modified by or were genetically modified by other beings because there's a lot of ancient cultures that talk about us literally being created by the gods using DNA and there's actually um, a huge jump in our evolution where we go from, you know, kind of ape-like mm. to having a prefrontal cortex, which is capable of, you know, critical thinking. There's a theory that shrooms are responsible for that. Yeah, the, the stoned ape theory? Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> for people who don't know, it's, uh, it's just that the human beings started eating shrooms and that helped develop our frontal cortex and our right. brain powers. Yeah, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm a proponent of that theory, but it is very interesting. And there is, it's also very interesting the association of Jesus with shrooms. There are a lot of symbol symbolic associations which have been created with a lot of images which are shroom-like. 
yeah and um i find it fascinating that the shrooms are also always been associated with like fairies and gnomes mm. because you know when you take shrooms and go to that different world you know you see the little trickster gnome fairy entities yeah um i don't know uh, in terms of religion or ancient knowledge uh unless we get to time travel and actually go back and see what's happening i mm-hmm. have no idea how they accessed all these powers and in terms of evolution uh i do believe in evolution but it is it is strange that we managed to become who we are whereas this experiment has not replicated since right yeah no we're definitely special in this in this world you know i think i think you know the modern philosophy is kind of nihilistic that oh we live in this giant vast universe and we're kind of just an accident from you know a bunch of atoms coming together and blah 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 and i don't believe that i think there was an intelligent design behind all of it and i think it is all for a reason i think where our lives have meaning you know we're not just here to work 9 to 5 and you know consume it and produce you know i think we're there's a divine plan <laughs> and that's god or is it these higher beings who've just created us for their uh for their interest like the well, human show i mean it's all the, the above i mean who would have created those beings who created us uh, so i think it's kind of like a pyramid you know everything kind of works like a pyramid you know there was one source at the very top that source created beings and those beings created other beings and those beings blah 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 all the way down to us about the ai simulation there's also that notion right that reality doesn't exist and it was uh, we might be in the sixth reincarnation of the matrix and already if we see uh, from deep fakes to virtual reality obviously there's a difference you know but we're here in 2020 and already virtual reality is so good it is conceivable that in 2030 it would be indistinguishable from uh, life itself so right uh, there's also this podcast i heard which i've not been able to make sense of but uh, he argued that the probability that we are in a simulation is greater than the one we're not yeah yeah and no idea what that means <laughs> Well, that goes back to the, um, you know, how I was talking about in Buddhism, there's realities nestled within realities. I think I kind of agree with that person that, you know, at one point there was base reality, but they created a simulation at one point to, you know, just mess around kind of like how we are. Like we, we take data and we create simulations of the future and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think if we did create a simulation, that the beings in there if the, if it was a quantum computer and those beings actually had self awareness they felt real then they would eventually follow the same path and create a simulation and then within that simulation those beings would feel real and they would create a simulation so it's simulations within simulations within simulations realities within realities within realities wow and dmt might be a way to tap into other ones or yeah tap into the different tap into the different levels the different layers I guess the eternal argument is so you you said you saw something which was akin to Dr. Seuss. Uh yeah. is, it, is it your mind playing tricks on you almost like are you accessing something that exists beyond you or it's sort of your mind becomes a projector and you can 
it's just showing you something. It's like a dream. Not to say that maybe you don't access other realities while dreaming. Well, I mean, I, I really, it sounds cliche, but I really do believe this life is a dream. You know, it's all dreamlike. It's all in your brain, whether it's a hallucination or not. I think this reality is kind of a hallucination. You know, whatever you're experiencing, that is by definition reality. So how can you say that one person's reality is not correct? How can you say that's a delusion if they're experiencing that? Um, Descartes has this great theory, right? That I cookie to go some. The only way I know I exist is when I think. If I think I exist, there is an I somewhere out there that exists. It may not be uh, me sitting here right now doing a podcast. It may be sleeping somewhere and dreaming all of this up or be stuck in a simulation or be a code or programming. But there is an I. And uh, we might never know what reality is or whether we're in a simulation or not. But uh, we are living thinking beings and there is an I and we have to live our lives like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, but, unless you want to be a monk in the mountains somewhere and <laughs> meditate. I do, I do. I do. I do think that's the way to go. So when people now yeah, argue me too. communism, I think uh, community living, uh, just, I just don't think I'm in that lifetime yet. I mean, I really, really want to be a monk, but I just, I don't, I don't think I'm in that lifetime yet. I don't think I'm. I enjoy people. life too much to be a monk. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> McDonald's is too good for me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I'm the same. I'm the same. Once, if I shun all of life's pleasures, that is the life I would like to live. But even in terms of world structures, I, I don't believe in big government anymore. I do think. Uh, people building their own communities and living happily off the ground or their own little spaces. That's the way to go. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think that's going to become a bigger trend in the future. I'm not sure. Uh, With more control and more surveillance, I don't know where we're going. Right. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to that timeline theory, I guess. I mean, it's our choice whether we go to a more preferable timeline or a dystopian one. Uh, out of all the crazy conspiracy theories, which one do you actually believe in? Which I, one I really even you're like this is kind of crazy, but I have no scientific proof to back it up. But I kind of believe in it. Honestly, it's the Saturn one. I think there's something to it. I can't for sure say that we live in a simulation controlled by Saturn, but I do think there's something to it. And, and did you say that there was a that I got interrupted that you didn't when I was trying to explain that earlier? No, no. I said I uh, cut you off when you were telling about your own journey. When you're talking about the Illuminati, how that was your gateway into this when we started talking about the Denver. So I wanted to come back to psychedelics, essentially. Okay. But yeah, I I do believe uh, the Saturn theory and Mandela effect and CERN being like this time travel interdimensional portal. I think those are the craziest ones that I believe. And I think they're all interlinked somehow, but it's, it's not all the way there formed in my head yet, but I do think that there's a link and I do think that there's something to it just because of all the symbolism everywhere. And I, you know, they, I, the symbolism is not by accident, whether it's them doing it, you know, putting the truth in our face just to laugh at us or mock us or whatever, or it could be the collective unconscious expressing itself through movies. You know, I think artists, when they tap into that creative part of themselves, they naturally pull out symbols that resonate with, with humanity. So it could be something that's happening synchronistically, or it could be happening purposefully, or it could be happening both ways. 
and I think the symbolism is all there and it all connects. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to bring up psychedelics to say that's how you get your uh, revelations, but it was once you do experience them, I think the notion that there are multiple realities becomes undeniable because you've experienced yeah. it yourself. Yeah, I don't think I've done them enough to actually experience another reality besides that one DMT thing. But that wasn't like revelatory for me. I was actually like 17 or something when I did that. And I didn't really believe in multiple universes yet. I was just like, uh, whoa, that was crazy. <laughs> but it's just that the fact that you can experience it shows you that there is something else out there that may, you, you may not understand. Maybe something as simple as every time I touch a table, I know exactly how it'll feel. I know what to expect. Once that changes for me, it could be something that simple that, oh, if I touch this table, it may not feel the same. Or this notion that we know atoms are constantly in motion and everything is moving, but we don't really accept it. If, if, I, if I say this table is, uh, is in my room, I know it's static. Even though science says every single atom in this is moving, but if I am on a trip and I'm experiencing it very differently, I can cognize that a lot more easily that there might be multiple ways of experience and there might be multiple ways of levels of consciousnesses and realities. So it's, it's just opening that door to the possibility, how interested you will be in that world then depends on you and how deep you go. And you tend to go really deep into that world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know why. I mean, it's just all I've ever been interested in. What about the moon is fake theory? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so the thing that really got me started on that was the, that it fits so perfectly over the sun during an eclipse. You know, it's supposedly the sun's 93 million miles away and the moon is like 200,000 miles away, but it was placed so perfectly in the sky and shaped so perfectly that an eclipse is possible. That doesn't happen anywhere else in the known universe that we know of. So that was the original thing that really blew my mind. I was like, yeah, why does no one think about that? Why does no one even question that? How perfect the moon is. Wait, there, there are no other eclipses? I do think uh, Earth sometimes comes in the way. Not on other planets. No, no, never. No. No other planet has and eclipses. Definitely not as perfectly moons. as the... I, I could be wrong, but I really, I really don't think so. I'm pretty sure that that never really happens. I mean, it's, it's definitely super rare for a planet to be um, placed that perfectly. And the Earth's position had to be perfect, you know. But, um, you know, there was Russian scientists a long time ago who believed that it was an alien spaceship for that reason, mm -hmm. that some aliens brought it here to observe us. And, um, you know, there's um, in ancient cultures, there are times that they speak of where they didn't have a moon at one point. And, um, Interesting. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I kind of do believe it's like a watchtower. I mean, think about the movie Truman Show. Where does the director sit? He sits in the moon. Um, it, is, it is interesting. Uh, I wish you were a Pakistani because we have our own interesting conspiracy theories, right? Uh, I think religion plays a huge role in myth-making. <laughs> Pakistan, just to reaffirm people's beliefs, there are a lot of religious conspiracy theories, one which is, quite popular in Pakistan is, do you know what the Azan is? It's what the Muslim call to prayer. No. So it's, uh, if 
you've seen it uh, if you've ever been to a mosque five times a day that azan comes out of the mosque which is the call to prayer to call on muslims to prayer so there's a popular actually th- I, I have i have been to one of those just to broaden my sense of culture i guess i was like at one point i was interested in like going to all different religions like i've been to a hindu temple i've been to a mosque um yeah, I'm really interested in that. But anyways, go on. I'm, I'm it, is, it, is a, it is a great idea to even experience it because if, if you are interested in ancient knowledge and there is something to it, even if you don't believe in other religions, there's something to each and every one of them. Unless Yeah, there's something to all of them. Unless it's Mormonism. <laughs> Just <kidding. laughs> so, uh, I, I, I tend to agree with you. <laughs> so one, one of the popular conspiracy theories is once Neil Armstrong, uh, when he got out on the moon, he heard he heard the call to prayer on the moon. That's quite popular in Pakistan. Whoa, that's really <laughs> why. What is the reasoning behind that? We don't look for reason in Pakistan. <laughs> so <laughs> someone, someone just said it, and they're like, "That makes sense." Some Neil Armstrong told a Muslim, <laughs> "I have no idea." I have no idea how it started, but a lot of people believe that to be true. I mean, that's a really cool thought, though. How? Like, how do conspiracy theories start to begin with, right? So even the dark side of the moon, a lot of people say that uh, the video cuts off and they saw something on the dark side of the moon and that there is an alien civilization that they encountered. Um, Who started that? Where do we know? How do we know the evidence for any of that? We really don't. Unless you know something that I don't. Right. No, I, I definitely don't. I'm not, I'm not a secret agent. <laughs> oh, but I mean, you, you've probably read, there's a lot of theories about the dark side of the moon. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The dark side of the moon seems to be synchronously tied to a lot of like just weird stuff, you know, the Pink Floyd album yeah. and the Wizard of Oz. And, you know, I think it all connects to the rainbow. I just, I just wrote, <laughs> that sounds crazy right there, but I just wrote um, a thread about the rainbow bridge. Yes. And exactly. yeah. And so there's like a lot of weird synchronistic ties between the rainbow bridge, CERN, the moon, the dark side of the moon, magic, Lester Crowley, Jack Parsons. It's fascinating. And honestly, you could probably make connections between anything because like we were talking about earlier, like flat earth, I think the brain can prove almost anything that it's looking for. I think, you know, you can come up with a theory and find evidence for any theory so that's kind of why i boil everything down to i don't know for a fact anything it's good i think it, as a as a mental exercise or as a hobby to delve into conspiracy theories i think is uh, great uh once you get to eddie bravo's level, right you're shutting down every other <laughs> conversation i think at that point it's a problem <laughs> you've made tony ferguson lose a fight also <laughs> But, yeah, you uh, can't have you can't have an unhealthy obsession with it. You know, it's it's got to be a mental exercise. It should it should expand your mind, not make you scared of living in this world. So, yeah, I, I mean, my main passion isn't even conspiracies. Like, I love to just write and make music and draw, just make art. Like, that's what I love to do is just create. But yeah, I mean, the con- and conspiracies and oh yeah, and randonauts, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And- randonauting is randonauting is awesome. Yeah. For people who have, don't have know, you done it? look it up. No, I've, I don't. I'm not. But my friend is really into it. So I am going to get into it. I'm not sure yeah, how, how is randonauting happening during the coronavirus. <laughs> I mean, you're allowed to be in public and walk outside. I know. People are just avoiding it in general as well. 
Uh, I don't get out yeah, unless I, mean, I need to, unless it's groceries or essentials. Um, yeah, I'm, certain certain places are different. I mean, Midwest, a lot of people are just out and about, not really caring. <laughs> no one wears masks out here. But I know in California from friends that you have to wear a mask to go anywhere. Like, it's basically like a law there. But out here, no one really cares. One of my favorite tweets was, uh, the rest of the world is watching America like America watched Tiger King. <laughs> just like, how? <laughs> how do you live there? <laughs> I mean, our president was a reality TV show star. So if it is a simulation, in reality TV. If it was a simulation and somebody was writing the script, Trump would be president. So that is the most <laughs> compelling evidence one would need for, for it being a simulation. Uh, what, what is also interesting is that a lot of... Um, conspiracy theories that we grew up on, I'm not sure if you did, I thought would have a bigger impact in our lives. I really thought Bermuda Triangle would be this huge mystery and it, it's just, it kind of faded away. <laughs> it has, right? So the Loch Ness Monster, Bermuda Triangle, Crop Circles, these were the big ones. Yeah, those were the things Nobody I Nobody really talks about them anymore. Yeah. yeah, like I said, I was a super scientific-minded person, but I loved the idea of like cryptozoology, like cryptids. Like I kind of did always believe in aliens and like um bigfoot and lock this monster i loved that stuff but yeah that stuff has kind of faded away yeah well if bigfoot was real they would have found him by now by now the amount of television shows they've done searching for bigfoot um not not if he's an alien <laughs> not if he can time travel yeah, right what if, what if he's like predator he just can turn invisible and stuff <laughs> Uh, Joe Rogan told the story about uh, talking to somebody who believes in Bigfoot and his theory was that Bigfoot can turn into other animals. So he once saw a frog. That What's was, a shapeshifter? Yes. Well, if you believe that, then you've seen Bigfoot, right? So if you see a frog that you believe is Bigfoot, then you've seen Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is out there. One must believe. Right. But um, yeah, you, you got to believe to see. You don't see it, then believe it. Thanks a lot, Nick. Thanks a lot for sharing your insight with us. And for people who don't uh, follow him, go on Twitter, follow Nick Hitton. ASAP, because yes, and are phenomenally interesting. Please check out Random Nodding. Um, it uses a quantum random number generator to take you to ra totally random places. And um, people are experiencing really weird synchronicities. And it also helps you manifest. Like you set an intention before you leave. And a lot of people that are doing that are finding what they're thinking about when they get to their destination. And so I, I really want you to try it and then DM me and tell me what you find. For sure. As soon as, you're, sure. as, soon as you're allowed to leave the house. Uh, I'm kind of a scaredy cat. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be the last one. I think once, once we're okay <laughs> to have uh, public sports, that's when I'll be like, okay, fine. We're, we're good. To okay. Go. Thanks a lot, Nick, for joining us. And thanks everybody for listening. Take care. Bye. -bye. Yeah, thank you for having me. Bye.